The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And you mentioned point guards. Another piece I thought was super interesting was your last piece on Jose Alvarado. And... I was reading it and there's a bunch of different guards in the mix that you interviewed and that were referenced. And I guess the first question that I have is, do you think that his success, because I think it came out of nowhere and, you know, he was ACC defensive player, um, but still undrafted. Do you think that this success that he's had, success that guards like Fred Van Fleet have had, does that... Does that pave the way? Is this like a trend, do you think, that's happening where undersized players can come in and be really valuable role players? I hope so, because I love those kinds of players. Um, But I think the trend is not, to me, about undersized players exactly, because I think it's getting harder and harder for um, smaller guards to stay in the league. Um, But I think if you are one of those guys that plays taller, if you're one of those guys that can switch a little bit then compete against bigger players that can hold their own, then yeah, it's just like the bar is getting higher. And I think probably one of the reasons why he went undrafted is people just looked at him as a small guard. And now that he's in the NBA, it's like, well, he, he plays as if he has no idea that he's a small guard. He plays as if he thinks he's six, nine. Um, and that's exactly how Van Vliet, Van Vliet plays. That's how, you know, I like that's how I, Alex Crusoe is one of the guys that w- was quoted in the story that um, I think that's who Alvarado had told him, like, you paved the way for me. Like, I saw what you did to go from a two way to to like being a rotation player in the league and and all of that. I think Fred Van Vliet didn't tell me exactly what Alvarado told him when they spoke, but it sounded like a kind of similar deal. Like, I think Alvarado saw in those guys a kind of path for himself and i think there's a reason it's like those guys defend like crazy and they have offensive skills as well and fred van vliet's an all-star at this point um but i think the idea is if you can be an elite defender at the guard spot then you can survive if if your teammates have to cover for you all the time and if you can't 
guard multiple positions and all of that, then like you basically have to be a superstar now <laughs> uh, on the offensive end to survive. Um, but I do think at least in terms of like defense first, like really, really intense, competitive, smart, um, like the guys that are in the right places and manage to affect a game on both ends. Like if those guys are coming out of college, if those guys are coming out of wherever and teams can get a scout on them, they at least have guys that can compare them to, right? Like if they say, we think he can be sort of like a Van Vliet or like an Alvarado or whoever, I think that helps. Yeah. Um, it's just like, I, I think you have to sort of be careful when like, I don't, I don't want to start to say like every guy Alvarado size can do that because if they could, then Alvarado wouldn't stand out that much. And, and we'd be seeing more guys that size kind of make it. And I think what we're actually seeing is the opposite. Like the, the bar is getting higher and higher and higher if you're a small guy. Yeah. Which makes him even more of a unicorn. I think that's what makes and his teammate Herb Jones so fascinating too, yeah. is all the things that he can do defensively and his quote, I mean, Scotty Barnes, Alvarado and uh, Herb Jones, all guys that lead the way with defense really. Um, and that mm -hmm. are good passers and and can kind of be unicorns in their own way and haven't been seen as these like offensive, you know, fire firepowers, you know? Yeah, I think I, I love when when Herb Jones and Alvarado are on the court together. Like, I just I think some of those, especially when like the, when the Pelicans have Larry Nance at the five spot, like they're closing the games most of the time with, with Nance at the five. Now, the last few games, Jose's played the whole like fourth quarter and started with that Houston game where he basically dominated it. Um, but the Pelicans are like, they have a ton of firepower. Like their team is built to be an elite offense, even though the shooting isn't that great. Like they just destroy teams on the inside. And I think what you're looking at from now until the end of the season are, is like, can they find that balance of like all that firepower being that efficient offensive team while also getting enough stops to beat the best teams in the NBA. And I think, Willie Green's playing around with the lineups to, to try to get to that point. And I really like the look that they've been going with lately in the fourth quarter where Alvarado has been on the court and Nance has been on the court. Um, it gets trickier to like slot Herb Jones into that lineup when it's like crunch time because you have Ingram and CJ and Zion on, on the team. But like throughout the game, you, you can see the Pelicans get to some really good defensive lineups, even if they're not like a top flight defensive team. Is it, more difficult for Willie Green, in your opinion, to make decisions now that Zion and when Zion is healthy. In a way, um, I think he enhances what they do. He lets them do a lot more, but I think they're still doing a lot of experimenting. Um, the point Zion stuff that we saw from, you know, the last time he was healthy when Van Gundy was, was the coach, that was like so exciting. Um, but it was obviously going to look different when he came back because like, it's a completely different team. Now it's a new coach. Uh, CJ McCollum was not on the team before the bench is like totally different now, but I mean, just finding the space, uh, within a game, even finding a space within just a possession to be like, all right, we're empowering Zion to be the decision maker here, the playmaker here. Like it, it gets a little trickier because CJ needs his possessions doing that. Brandon Ingram needs his possessions doing that. You have other guys like Jose Alvarado, um, Devontae Graham, Dyson Daniels all think of themselves as point guards. They are not always the guy bringing the ball up the court when they're, when they're on the floor, but just by virtue of the fact that all these guys are on the team and getting minutes means there's going to be fewer possessions that Zion Williamson is like bringing the ball up and, and doing that. And we know he's so good at that. 
and it's only in recent games that Zion has gotten to do that stuff a little bit more. And I still don't think they have found the like just natural, easy rhythm of like we are just flowing from one action to another where like Zion and CJ are playing in harmony and making each other better and all of this stuff. I think they're still working through all of that. Yeah. And I think where their offensive numbers are, despite that, is like pretty impressive because they're it's they're kind of still in preseason mode. Like they're still in experimentation mode. They Zion missed some time. Ingram missed some time. Um, CJ was shooting like terribly to start the year for some reason. Um, but I think the ceiling's really high. It's just they have that stuff to balance and they just have a lot of good players. So the, yeah. the rotation is not obvious and simple. It's a good problem to have, but it's also like a legit problem. And like those decisions, once you start talking later in the season, once they've had the time and once they kind of know what's what, like when you're in a playoff series and you're figuring out who you're going to start, you're going to close games with who's going to play with whom, like that stuff can like swing an entire game and like swing an entire series. So they, they, they do have like a sort of serious thing to do here, which is like basically figuring out like how the chemistry is, is going to work. There's like a lot of one-sided players on this team. A lot of good players, you put them together in a different way and they really complement each other well. But, you know, I, I guess Brandon Ingram's probably the best guy who's in terms of like balanced offensively and defensively. And that makes things tricky, I think, in terms of just what that lineup looks like. Another really great defender that you featured was Shea. I love Shea so much. I think he's yeah. one of the most underrated players in the league. This year, he's finally, I feel like, getting – he's broken through to mainstream, you know? I feel yeah. like he was he was every, like, hoop heads, you know, one of their favorite watches last year until he got shut down um, yeah. due to whatever, injury or tanking or both. And now it's like, yeah, he's there. You know, 40-point games, game winners. What was the process of you deciding you wanted to feature him and, like, when did that pop into your mind? So that one wasn't as like intensive as some of the other ones we talked about. That was basically like the thunder in town. And I knew I wanted to write about his defense. He is maybe the most improved player in the NBA right now, even without the defensive improvement. <laughs> like yeah. he is, he's been so crazy. Like the reason why it seems like he is getting all this attention. He didn't, he didn't used to, even though he was so great last year, like he's third in the league in scoring. Like he's yeah. like John Morant, um isn't averaging as many points in the paint as Shea is this year and jaw was like i think he leads the league in drives per game he does i mean he but he, but he has like yeah i think this is the third straight year he's led the league in drives per game but he is so much better in terms of like the finishing numbers he yeah. is actually weirdly like he's shooting far fewer threes but it doesn't matter because his mid-range numbers are completely insane um his usage is like near the top of the league um just what he's doing night tonight is so difficult but yet he makes it look so easy on on the offensive end where where it looks like it's hard is the other end where i i think he clearly like if you go and watch the tape from his rookie year of the clippers versus what he was doing most nights with the the thunder the last few years like it was different and it was understandable um but he always had this defensive potential he just wasn't quite doing it and i mean i just wanted to kind of ask him some questions about that ask you know, ask Mark Digno about that, ask teammates about that, because I thought like, it's just so impressive that he's doing both at the same time. You don't, you don't usually see the big jump on both ends. Um, and he is just 
he has been on it. Like he's been locked in pretty much every game. The Thunder have not been amazing defensively every game, but they have overall had a really good defense, especially in the half court. Um, Poku and- shut Al Horford down. Dude, Poku is like so fun to watch right now. And yeah. it's not even it's not even because he's doing all this like crazy, like, oh my God, like how did this guy do that? It's just like he's just being solid, yeah. which I don't think is like what people were always anticipating out of Poku. Is it he'd be like a good complimentary role player because he just looked like such a weird prospect with such a high ceiling? And like he still has that ceiling, but I think it's cool that he has like settled into being like a kind of normal player right now. That's actually somebody else I want to write about. But I, was, um, I literally in my head was like, like <laughs> that'd be a perfect James Herbert. I'm we're guy. trying, we're trying here. Yeah. Um, but but um whether or not I get to write that, like it, it has been fun watching him do that. And like what Shea is doing, just like being disruptive off the ball, giving more effort on the ball. It's kind of like a little bit of everything. Um and then the numbers are nuts. Like he's like second in the league in, in stocks, if that were a real category. He's up there in deflections. He's like second in steals. Like it's the the work he's putting in on that end, in addition to just the like ridiculous load that he's carrying offensively, is really impressive. And like you just you don't see a lot of guys doing that. You ready? Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And they brought over Chip England from San Antonio, mm-hmm. the shot doctor who's just known for improving players three-point shots by like three percent period pretty much everywhere he goes everything he does right what do you think Shea is if he has like a consistent three-point shot I mean it's it's funny because it's like I want to say like oh he's unguardable but like I sort of think he's unguardable now now like now unguardable so it's like does it, it I guess it it makes guys close out a little hard on him it makes guys um like basically never go under screens i guess that would help but it's like the he's he's just such a unique like he's just so such a different player like what he does is distinct from what like somebody like jaw even does what he does is is probably a little more similar to what chris paul does who he surely learned from when they when they were teammates for a year but it's just it is even different from that because it's all about like angles it's this herky-jerky thing to keep defenses off guard um it's not about like getting a step and then like just full on accelerating, blowing by guys. Like he's not, he's not not fast, but he's usually not going super fast. Like he's, he's making quick moves. Um, but I don't even think he needs like a lights out pull up jumper or anything. Like he, he is a good spot up shooter now. Um, and it's just, you're seeing him take fewer of those spot up shots because he's usually the one creating the offense this year. Um, but I mean that, that could change depending on, on who's on the team. But I think, yeah, I think you've seen him basically make a conscious choice this year. Like I don't need to look for that pull up three, um, because I can get wherever the hell I want and I can get a bucket whenever my team needs it. Yeah. Almost like DeRozan-esque in some ways Mm -hmm. in terms of angles and mid-range but a lot of people do compare Shea and Jaw to one another why do you think that is I think because they they're both such good finishers they're both really young they're both exciting 
but I do think there are like key differences in terms of their style. Like I Shake would never be the kind of athlete that that Jaw could be. And while they're both like crafty and smart and cerebral play- players for sure, uh Shay's just like there's just kind of nobody like him. I think honestly, like besides James Harden, I I can't think of another like downhill driver as good as Shay in like like I don't know, like decades. I I the numbers sort of speak for themselves. Like you you can't there's not really a defense equipped to deal with him right now. I thought it it spoke volumes when the Celtics were just throwing double teams at him the other day because they never do that. <laughs> but yeah. I think combination of the fact that like they that was their best strategy because nobody was shutting him down one on one and the fact that they were basically like, all right, like he is their number one, two and three option. It's not like somebody else like we're, we're scared of them. So we're just going to get the ball out of his hands like that led them down that path um but i think that was like the ultimate sign of respect that like the boston celtics who have marcus smart and jalen brown and jason tatum and all of these guys are just like yeah actually what we're gonna do is we're gonna put two of those guys on you (laughs) you talk about uh just sort of how hard it is for small players to be in this league because you know the league is getting it's getting like more versatile. I, I interviewed Nick Nurse during summer league. We spent about an hour together and, and he mentioned to me kind of in detail what he wants from a player and six, seven to six, nine with a positive wingspan that can do all the things that a point guard can do and all yeah. the things that a big can do is something that I think, you know, in your article, it's you know, how the NBA is resizing again, leads me now to, to think about Paolo. And, um, and I watched him at the garden and I saw him and they had Franz Wagner running the point and everyone on the floor was like six, nine. Um, they don't win a lot of games, but do you think that size could actually contend? Can that, is that a winning lineup now in the NBA? Well, not Orlando's version, but I think that idea is like, can win games now. I think. Toronto overachieved for that reason last year. I, I was like that garden. That's where I did all those interviews. Like I was at that game and like, that's where I spoke to Paolo and that's where I spoke to Wendell and Terrence Ross and Cole Anthony, all that. Like that was not unusual though. Like they, that's every game this year. And part of that is based on stuff. Cole Anthony control and didn't and, anticipate. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So like Markel hasn't played this year. Gary Harris, I think is about to make his season debut um you know Jalen Suggs missed a game or two earlier on um Cole Anthony's been out for a little while like this has been their best option because they haven't had a lot of other options but I think in the past like even I don't think that that long ago like I think four or five years ago if a team was dealing with this kind of thing you would see them call up a a, like traditional point guard from the G League or something yeah they just no we don't need to do that why like why should we'll just give it to Wagner give it to Paolo like we need to get those guys playmaking reps anyway like they're gonna maybe lose some games because of it but this is what they're trying to develop in their guys regardless and it's to me it's very similar to what the Raptors were doing it's just some of the lineups are even bigger because they happen to have a 7-2 bull bull on their team who plays like a wing and like basically like believes he's a wing (laughs) like if you watch the stuff that he does like it, it makes perfect sense um and then also their their other bigs like on offense they're all stationed along the three-point line and they're you know it's not that they are knockdown guys but if their feet are set and if they're in rhythm like there's no why would mosley not allow mo bamba and wendell carter to shoot threes you should like that that is that is where the league is going um 
and I think defensively, the 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 upside of having that much length and that much size is like pretty obvious. Um, these guys are very young, so the Magic are not an elite defense right now. But I think even when it wasn't so extreme, like like last year, just seeing the the front line before they got Paolo, like when they had Wagner and Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba in the front court, like that was a really good defensive unit, and that was an interesting like front court to watch offensively it's just you you introduce a talent like paolo who's just insane and like might be the best passer on the team um as well as being a guy that is like a walking mismatch he can go in the post he can isolate like do all of this stuff like that's just that is what like everybody is looking for um in the nba i don't think people think of him as like this like crazy unicorn freak like generational like what what even is this the way that people talk about like Wemby or even the way people like when they first saw Chet a few years ago, would have said it. But like, to me, like the, the skill package that he has as an offensive player at that size is kind of mind blowing. Like he is an enormous guy when you stand next to him and he, he, he plays exactly like a guard. Yeah. I, I don't think people realize that because he's so proportional and yeah. you hear the size, like you hear 6'10, 250, but seeing 6'10, 250 yeah. <laughs> is just different right yeah. like when i when he's i mean he's bigger and i always do it like all right well he's two inches bigger than lebron you know yeah he's like just a little shorter than mitchell robinson like maybe yeah. even the same height like it's just sort of nuts or what was it hartenstein he was just like a little bit shorter than when yeah. you actually got in front of him face to face can you sort of explain that? Because I've never had that with any player in the league because they're all sort of out of proportion, except for LeBron, but it's it's just somehow it's different. Yeah, I think the way that I put it is there are certain rookies that just do not look like rookies whatsoever. Um, honestly, Scotty is kind of like that last year. Like I remember watching him just in like not even in person, like just watching him on TV in summer league and being like, Oh, he's like bullying guys like cool. And then you see him do the same thing to like NBA veterans. And you're like, all right, this guy is like kind of built in a different way than most of these guys. Cause like a lot of times it, it's normal. It makes sense. These rookies come in, it takes them like two, three, four years for them to get strong enough to like just survive the rigors of a season and take contact on the inside and all of that. And like Paolo is just, he is not that at all. Like he was a, just a physically dominant in college. And I think a lot of the time when a guy is physically dominant in college, the question is, all right, is he skilled enough to do this at the next level when he doesn't have that advantage every night? And it turns out, well, A, yes, because he's yeah. skilled as hell. And B, like the vast majority of the time, he still has that advantage. Because if you're going to put um, a guy that is quick enough to to guard him and, and stay with him, a lot of the time he's going to be just stronger, bigger, more powerful. And if you're going to try to put a bigger dude on him, a lot of the time Paolo can just like go right by him. I think you're seeing like a trend of tall kids being more skilled and thus young players being bigger and more skilled every year. So like, I don't know what Paolo's like advantage over the average kind of foreman or whatever, if we're even talking in those positions, like five, six years from now, I don't know what that will look like. But as of now, I mean, there are guys who can like credibly guard him, but there's not, it's not a long list. Yeah, no, it's not. And offensively, he's super gifted. Like you said, just an incredible passer. His vision, 
willingness to pass. I think it's really interesting.